Good morning. Good morning. Everybody's doing all right? If I could have just a little bit more light in the room so I can see the beautiful faces of the people that are out in the audience. That would be great. Um, hope, hope everybody's doing good. Uh, this afternoon at 3 o'clock at the Farmington Cemetery, we are having a graveside service for Naomi Green. Um, some of you may know her, but some of you, if you don't, um, Naomi Green is um, a longtime member of this church. Uh, way before I was here, she was here. When the old building was there, she was there. And uh, she's just a dear, she was a dear old lady and um, a dear lady. She did get older, sorry about that. But um, we'll be celebrating her life at the graveside at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So, so that's that. Um, next, in a matter of clean up, there, I would... I'd like to say that last week I made a mistake in the message. Um, in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says that Jesus Christ nourishes and cherishes, I said that the word cherish was the word agape. It is not the word agape. It's the word telepo, and that is pretty important, pretty important. Telepo is a warming, a comforting a bringing together, like bringing you into his arms sort of picture. And so Jesus, when the church gets together, not only nourishes it and causes it to grow, he also comforts it. And it's like a warming sensation, you know, like your heart's warm towards somebody is what God's trying to say. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that we got that settled. I'm sure that it bothered you all week long. I'm sure that some of you went and looked it up and all that kind of stuff, but it bothered me, so I just wanted to correct that. Um, after the sermon last week also, I had someone come up to me, and they asked me a great question. They asked me if I believed that the, if the church was a building. And so that came from me saying that, you know, of course, the church is a building and all that kind of stuff last week. So let me explain a little bit about that and just make it kind of clear, hopefully clear. You know, sometimes when you do this, you make it more muddy, but here we go. All right, ready? Um, that church sign that came out in 2020 when we were trying to cancel church that says the church is not a building, every time I saw that thing, it was like I was hugging a porcupine. You know, I, I hug a porcupine. Because whereas you can make a case that that is true to a point, what they were saying was we did not need to meet together as an assembly, as a body in a location. That's what they were saying. So it's okay for us to watch online is what that sign was. That's what that sign was saying in the context of it, that th what we're doing here is insignificant. And in fact, if you, if you read about the church during 2020, there was a lot of articles that would say that the church meeting together as a local body is a thing of the past now. And, and we're going to move on to like a more like internet sort of viewing sort of church thing. Um, and so when I saw that sign, it's perked about it. So let me go to the next thing. Number one, the church is a spiritual be a building. Second uh, Peter chapter 2 verse 15 tells us that we are spiritual stones that are placed together as a spiritual house that is um, the intent of it is to be a dwelling place of God. So the church is a spiritual building. But I would also make the case that there are actually physical buildings that are also churches as well. See, over a hundred years ago, there was a group of people that got together and said there need to be a church in Farmington, North Carolina. 
And so what they did was they took their money and they bought property. And after they bought that property, they gave money to build a building. Now, when they built that building over there, some of the church members did some of the work on that building. I mean, they built it. They put it up. It was a community project that happened. So you had a group of believers that said this, we want something that outlasts our lifetime, that will be around for future generations so that future generations can hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there was a group of people that gave their money. And throughout the years, there's people that have invested, believers that have invested in this property right here so that this would be a church for their community so that when people pass by, at least they would have the opportunity to stop somewhere and find Jesus if they so chose to do so, if the Holy Spirit drew them in. So these walls are the church. This building is the church, it is something that believers has, have given to and has caused to be built and has been set aside for the purpose of glorifying God and learning more about him. Does this make sense? So this building is a church. It is a witness to all of that. Now, some churches close, okay? Some churches close. Well, what, happened the, what happens then? First, it's very heartbreaking for me to even think about that a church can close, that, think about but once it closes, and once they sell it to a thrift shop, it is no longer a church, okay? So it might look like a church, it might be a steeple in a church, but there's no believers meeting, there's nobody investing in any further, the church is closed, and, and it's just not, no longer a church at that point. But as long as we are here, this building is a church that we have decided to meet in and worship God. Does all that make sense? Okay, great. Awesome. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, that's where we are today, and um, I need Patrick, and um, can you help me? Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, and um, uh, Gupton, why don't you help me, and doggone it. Eli, help me again. All right, what I want you to do is I want you to take these cups and I want you to pass one to each person in the room. You do your section. Um, your section's a little bit bigger. Okay, and these will be for you. And I think that will be enough for your section. All right, so if y'all can pass those out, that'd be great. Everybody gets a red solo cup. Did you want to powder my nose too? Did you want to do that as well? So everybody gets a cup. And Ephesians chapter 3, that's where we're going to, probably need to turn there myself, Ephesians chapter 3. Take one, did you get one? Okay, 
And you've got one? Okay. And you have one, right? Okay. And this is all of them? Awesome. Great. All right. This right here is a red solo cup. Right here. This represents me and my body. That's what it represents, me and my body. When I was first born, this solo cup was empty, totally empty. Nothing was in it. But when I was eight years old and I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, not only did I receive salvation and a relationship with him, with Jesus Christ, but I also received his love. And so God took his love and he placed it inside of my container, inside of our solo cup. Place it right in here. And it was filled to the rim. Filled to the rim. In fact, from the day I was saved all the way up to the point in time that I'm living right now, my solo cup has never been less filled than it was the day I was saved. It's always the same, always to the brim. As soon as I was saved, I, I had as much of God lo God's love inside my container as I could possibly hold. Filled all the way to the brim. There's never less of it in my cup as I walk through these days. There's not more of it in this cup. There's not more of God's love inside of me, resonating inside of me, not more of it. It is all filled. In fact, a very neat thing, if I do like this, God's love doesn't empty. It stays in the cup. It stays in me. If I go like this, none of the love comes out of it. It always stays the same. It is the same level at all times. It never, ever changes. God gave me a portion of his love. Now, if I live alone and I have God's love in, in my cup, right, in my container, I can read the scripture and connect to that love, but only to a certain level. I can live my life alone and I can mow my yard, I can plant the trees, I can worship him alone, I can have a personal relationship with him, but I can only understand God's love in a very limited way, not in a very high way, not in a very deep way, not in a very wide way, and not in a very long way. I can only do it within myself and within my capabilities because I am alone and I'm limited by who I am. I'm limited by the person of who I am. I'm limited in my understanding because I'm alone. Now, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says this. For this reason, <clears throat> I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I have preached Ephesians chapter 3 in this section many times. And sermons in the past always kind of centered around the love theme here. 
you know, agape love. It's God's love. It's a covenant love. It's a love that doesn't change. It's a love that is always there. It's a love that he has given me. It's a love that he has given you. It always centered around there. And then in a very kind of, you know, the best way that I possibly could, I, I try to explain the height and the depth and the width, the length and the length. But every time I preach this passage of scripture, I have missed one little phrase that's in the passage. And this is the phrase. It says in verse 18, may have strength to comprehend, and here it is, with all the saints. What am I comprehending with all of the saints? Well, with all the saints, that is the only way that I can comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Jesus Christ that surpasses all knowledge. I alone cannot understand the height, the depth, and the breadth of the love of God because I'm limited to my container that contains the infinite eternal love of God. But when I meet together with the church, I can start to understand the height, the depth, the length, the width of God's love. You see, when I'm raising my little cup of God's love, this is all that you see. It is all contained here. It is very small. That is, I am limited by who this is, by this one person. But when you lift your cups, lift your cups. It changes things, doesn't it? All of a sudden, throughout a whole room, you see the love of God because everybody in the room has the same amount of love that I have in my cup. You can put your cups down. And it's different, right? So if I come out here and I do this, like this, and I'm just living alone, doing my own thing, and, and the world attacks me, and, and I start to pull my cup down, I still have the same amount of God's love, but then my, my faith and, and my feeling for that love is kind of, and is other people really, do other people really have this love? You know, you ever get this way? You ever wonder if you're alone? And then that Sunday I come to church and I look at a room of people that have the same amount of God's love inside their container as I do. Raise your cups. All of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness. The height, the depth, the length, the width of God's love is absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's amazing. So God's love, because God is love, cannot be contained in just one person. It is contained in a group of people that the scriptures call God's saints, that the scripture calls the church. And so with the saints, I can know the height, the depth, the width, and the length of God's love. Alone, I cannot get there. I am limited. See, the church is very important when it comes to this, and it's God's tool to show his love and the magnitude of it all. You and I will never be loved more than we are right now. When I got saved, I was loved by God. 
And it's the same amount of love that he showed me today as he did back then. His love for me doesn't grow. It doesn't grow. It remains the same. It is as consistent as he is. He doesn't fall more in love with me tomorrow than he is in love with me today. It's always the same. My cup is always full. It is never gonna be any more, any less. He has given me what I can contain within my container. And, but when I'm with you, all of a sudden, I see the magnitude of the love of God. Like, let's be real here. I mean, why in the world would God love some of you? Come on, really. Why, why would he re- love some of you guys, right? I mean, if you, if you think through some people, <clears throat> you know, you wonder how in the world God could love them at times. Come on. The reason you think that is because you struggle loving them, right? But what this says is that God loves them the same as you. And there is a depth to his love, a height to his love, a width to his love, a length to his love that is amazing, absolutely amazing. So I want you to hold your cup up and I want you to say these words, okay? These words right here on the screen. Very good. Yeah. I'll never... Be more loved than I am right now. Say it again. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Now keep those cups up. We're going to say something else. I'm already loved more than I could imagine. Wow. I'm already loved more than I could imagine. This is what should flavor Every single conversation that you have. This is what should flavor the way that you see the world. This is what you should see when you look in a mirror. That I am already loved more than I ever should be. More than I could possibly imagine. And it's God who is perfect that has decided to love me. And he's not going to love me any less tomorrow. And he's not going to love me any more tomorrow. It is the same amount of love. I am already loved more than I could imagine. I got sick, you know, last week, two weeks ago. It's all a blur when you get sick, isn't it? Like you have a temperature, you lay in your bed, you kind of try to get over it. It becomes a blur after a little while. The days kind of pass. I thought that today was the 13th, yesterday was the 12th. Anyway, it's a blur. That's the point, right? I can't imagine that God would love someone like me that not only is sinful, but is also stinking frail. Aren't we fearfully and wonderfully made, but also frail? Like my sister-in-law just just a day ago tripped and fell, twisted her ankle. I mean, she was a woman with, with spirit, a woman with purpose, a woman that was going, and then she twists her ankle because we are all frail. Why would God even at that level love you and me? But he does. And he gives us all the same amount of love. We are frail. He loves us. We are sinful. He loves us. We are obedient. He loves us. We witness for him. He loves us. It's all the same. He loves us all the same. 
and I'm already loved more than I could imagine. Now with that in mind, I want you to watch this video and then we'll continue the sermon. Here we go.
It's enough, isn't it? It's enough. It's enough. Do you know that God's love is something that was never created? You didn't create it. I didn't create it. God didn't create it. How do we know that? Because the Bible says God is love. That means from the beginning of his existence, which there isn't a beginning, he was love. And it is that love that he gives to you. So we don't create it. Aren't you kind of thankful for that? Because have you seen the love that we do create? Have you seen that love? That's not really good love, is it? Right? The, cre- the kind of love that we create ourselves, right? Between each other and friends. It's kind of fickle. It's as frail as our bodies. It, it never seems to work out. I think it's interesting that atheists do not believe in God, but they believe in love. That's, that's an amazing thing to me. The reason is, it's not, it's not for the reasons they think. I think it's because I've talked to them before, talked to people before. But it's because their problem with God is that there's pain in the world and suffering, right? There's pain and suffering in the world, so there can't be a God or he would do something about it. That's one of their key arguments. Well, man-made love is filled with pain and suffering, right? It's filled with pain and suffering. So why would you believe in, in, in love but not God? You, you can't quantify love. Do you see what I'm saying? So why would you believe in that? Why is that an argument against God? This makes absolutely no sense. But that brings us back to the point. You and I, when we create something, it's always faulty. It's not, as, it's not strong. So we couldn't have created a love that we could have expressed toward God. He had to give us something perfect so that we could express that perfect love toward him. That's what he had to do. And it's a love of perfection. It is something that we needed. He loved us first so that we could love him back. That's what scripture says. So we, that's how that goes. Now, God is very serious about this thing, this church being the vehicle for his love. The church and this group of people here being the vehicle that uh, can reach to the heights and depths and uh, lengths and widths of Jesus' love, of God's love. He's very, very serious about it. In Acts chapter 2, he started a church. In fact, on that day, um, Peter and them, they preached the message and 3,000 people joined the church in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people. It was a start of a movement of love. Well, Philip, are, are you sure? Because I thought that was the, the gospel. It was the movement of the gospel. Well, I don't know the difference. See, the gospel is a message of love to mankind. The gospel is a message that says this, you have sinned and I'm sending my son to die for your sins and take the punishment for those sins. And so he bled on the cross and he died. And three days later, he arose. That was the best demonstration of what God's love actually is out of anything else that we could possibly read, anything else we could possibly see. And so, yes, it was a movement of love. And he started with 3,000 people in the city of Jerusalem. And what he knew is that on the day of Pentecost, there would literally be people there from all over the world. Jesus says in the beginning of Acts, 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Take it everywhere. If I had been sitting there as a disciple, and Jesus, I know he's about to leave, and he told me to take the gospel to the entire world, I would wonder if Jesus knew how big the world was. What, what knew, the world's a big place. How are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get this out? And how can we brand the message and make sure it's the same? Have you ever tried to make the message a message the same? Like, and make sure it didn't change, like as you passed it through people? Have you ever tried to do that? We have very difficult, we have a lot of difficulty doing that. Have you ever heard a, heard a story from someone and it had all these details in it and then you come to realize later that most of those details, they just kind of made up over time, right? And the real story was a lot simpler than the story that you received here. See, the human race has a very difficult time passing on information and keeping it accurate. We do not do well. We like to add and embellish in our stories, don't we? The answer to that question is yes. We love to embellish our stories. We love to embellish our stories. But God started a movement with a message with the amount of love that cannot be any more or any less in my container. And he told me to go out and spread the gospel to the nations. And it happened. 3,000 people received Jesus Christ as their Savior. They went back home. The very next day, 5,000 more people were added to the church. They went back home. The message of the gospel remained the same throughout the centuries. It hasn't changed. It is passed on from the book, which is the word of God, and it's passed on for 2,000 years. And that message has not changed yet. It is still the gospel. It is still the death, burial, and resurrection. It is still that simple. And there isn't a lot of foo-foo around it because God started a movement of love. What does the world need? The world needs a demonstration of God's love in their life. That's what the world needs. Love is not something where we tolerate sin. Love is not toleration. Jesus didn't tolerate sin. He died for it. He took the punishment for it. Are you with me? So it's not toleration. It's not calling sin good and, oh, that's the way that you were created and this, that, and the other. It is not that. Love is not that. Love doesn't change just because you want to sin. Love has a side of it that says, I want to love you to a better life, and you have the opportunity to receive Jesus and change your ways and have a better life in him. That's what love says. So God started this movement of love and he wanted the church to be a part of that movement. In fact, the church is a part of that movement. It is a part of that movement. Now, I'm kind of hesitant doing this right now. This church right now is having an impact on our community, okay? There are churches in our area, I will not name them, there are churches in our area that have seen what we are doing here and they are doing it in their churches currently. For instance, there are churches that are buying playground equipment and setting it out in their yard. Why are they doing that? Because they have seen that you 
love children enough to have a playground that is visible and big enough to house them. Come on. That's pretty significant. And so when they pass by, they're like, yeah, we need something like that at our church. And so what they've done is they've taken their money and they've bought playground equipment and there is a focus, a shift, ever how small, toward children in other churches in our community because of what this church is doing concerning kids. They, they see it out there. Now, is that because of me? No. Is that because of you? Not necessarily, no. It's because Jesus is the focus and Jesus is doing something through us. You see, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's other people in our community that have cups. They need to switch churches, but they have cups. I'm just kidding. They don't. They don't need to switch churches. Just kidding. But they have cups that are filled with God's love, and they really want to do what God wants them to do. So they see it happening here, and they emulate it. That's what God does. Raise your cups. That's impactive as a group. It's impactive. When people see God's love in action, that is when their lives and their vision and their direction is changed. Now back to the text, okay? Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14, start there again. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and every earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. When you hear that you and I are supposed to be a part of the Great Commission, when you hear that we are supposed to spread the gospel to our community and see people saved, do you ever feel overwhelmed by that task? You ever feel overwhelmed by that task? Yes. It's a huge task. In fact, sometimes we might feel overwhelmed when we're about to witness to somebody. Like the conversation is there and they're talking and we feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to tell them the gospel, to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection, to tell them that that's the answer. And we kind of feel that little pressure. Here in the passage of scripture, it says, be encouraged. Paul has prayed not only for the Ephesians to be strengthened in that task of that mission, but for you and I to be strengthened through the Holy Spirit as well. You have a helper when it comes to witnessing of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this continues, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. So we go back and say, oh, wait a minute. But you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. This means that you and I not only can know the height, the depth, the length, the width of love together, but we are also rooted and grounded in love when we're together. We get stronger. The roots go deeper. The foundation is more secure. When we are together, being containers of, our, of God's love, together, connecting together, we become more rooted and more firmly grounded. Try to think of an illustration for this, and the best way, the best thing I can do is, is this. So don't get offended if, if this is your garden, but I'm just going to say it. I think, 
I think it's great that you have a garden like this, but I'm going to say that some people pretend to have a garden, okay? And when they pretend to have a garden, and I know they have fruits and vegetables inside of this, what they do is they have these wooden things that are like a rectangle, and they plant little plants in there. It's very cute. It's a very cute thing, right? They have some, some peppers, and they have some cucumbers, and they have a little bit of squash, and they have a little bit of this, that, and the other. It's a very cute, nice little garden. But that's really cute farming is what it is. It's, it's cute. It's nice. It's, it's very cute. Um, real farming is when you go down Farmington Road and you turn right on Shallowford, and then you turn left on Dinkins Bottom, and all the corn that is there, that's farming. That's farming. Now, <clears throat> back in the past, I had a cute, I had a cute little garden in my yard. It was in the corner of my yard, and one of the things that we planted was um, twelve. Um, corn stalks, corn plants, 12, because that's the number of the apostles, that's the number of, you know, it's just 12. We planted 12 of them. There's 12 of them there. So over a period of time, those 12 corn stalks grew. My kids were smaller. We were all excited about it. I was excited about it, got more excited about it because they were excited about it. It was kind of a collective excitement. So these things grew. And one day I noticed, one evening I noticed that, oh, it was time to pull some corn off the stalk, right, and eat it. So I pulled it off the stalk. We took it inside. I bowled it. Quinn ate some. Aurora ate some. I ate some, and it was the best corn we had ever tasted. I mean, it was so good, so juicy, so good. And so I, I told him, I said, now tomorrow morning, we'll go out there, and we'll get all the corn from the rest of the stalks, and then we'll, we'll have a meal that evening. And so we're all excited, went to bed. But the next day, when we went out to pull the corn, the corn was gone. All the little animals in the area came in and they feasted on our corn. And once I saw that, I realized that when I pulled and harvested that first piece of corn, that smell went out and said, hey, buffet. And so raccoons, possums, whatever it was, deer, whatever it was, came into that and they absolutely wiped out our little cute garden and it just, it, it has caused us to go to counseling. It really hurt that deeply that we weren't able to, able to get all that corn. Um, Quinn is currently getting out of counseling. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If the same thing happened, however, on Dinkins Bottom Road, if I pulled a piece of corn there and all the little animals came in to that garden, it wouldn't cause that much damage to that unending, those unending fields of corn. Does that make sense? We would still be able to eat it the next day. I get hurt during the week. I come to church. My cup of love is kind of just waning on the way. And I come into a room where everybody's cup is in the air. Everybody loves Jesus. It's in the air. It's in the air. And all of a sudden, I'm gaining strength because Satan can take one of us out, but he can't take all of us out. The love doesn't change, but collectively, we know the height, the depth, the width, the length of it, and the strength of it. The strength of it. 
And when we live in such a way that we take seriously the love that's in our cup, that's in our container, and we live it out there in the world, we do something very significant for people that do not know Jesus. So do you mind if I'm cute with the cups? Do you mind if I do something cute with the cups? No? Okay, great. Good. So I need Patrick. I'm going to get you this time. All right. Um, White shirt in the back. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, Chris, right? Jordan. Yeah, sorry, Jordan. Jordan and Jordan. I knew that. But you need your cup. You need your cup. One, two, three. One, two, three. Quinn, I need you. Um, Parker, do you mind coming up? Mr. Bailey? One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five. Six, six, one, two, three, four, five. And um, Eli, I'm going to use you again. Come on up with your cup. All right. So when we go out to, into the world, are you taller than him? He doesn't. Okay. Well, why don't you, you go first? You, you, yeah, you're wider. Okay. How wide is the depth? Okay, okay. <laughs> no, stand right okay. here. Okay. Lift your cup all the way up. Okay. You come here. Put your cup right up underneath him. Um, Jordan. You put your cup right down here. You can, you can put it down. Okay, Quinn, I need you on this side. Okay. All right. Height, depth. Quinn, put your cup here. Parker, put your cup here. Put it equal there. Turn this way. Yeah, that way. Good. Come here, Eli. You do the same. Width and length. You see what that makes? It makes a cross. And when you and I live with our cups full, as if our cups are full, because they are, and we live for Jesus, the love that he has given us, and we give it to other people, this is what they are drawn to. And ladies and gentlemen, this is what they need to be drawn to. And then after they come here, they kneel and they accept Christ, they join the other cups. Right? Yeah. The, that would mean pull your cups up. They join the other cups. And the strength of that is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Jordan, maybe you should change your name to Chris. Your cup. Your cup. I think, I think sometimes we take this for granted. See, this is the way that we should view our world. This is the way that we should enter into every conversation. See, there, there's some people that I wish, humanly, I wish that I didn't care for. There, there's some people that I wish I didn't love. I don't know why I love them. Well, I do know why I love them. It's not because of Philip. It's because God has given me a portion of his love and he loves them. I mean, come on, let's be, let's be serious. There's people around you that you just wish you didn't love them. And maybe some of you don't love them. Maybe, maybe some of you in the room don't have the problem that I have wishing that I didn't love them. Like if there was some way I couldn't love them, that'd be great. 
Why do I love these people? Why, do I, why am I concerned with these people? Why do I keep caring for these people? They care nothing for me, but I still care for them. Why am I still praying for these people? Why am I still going after these people? Why am I still doing this? This doesn't make sense. I should just stop loving these people, but I can't. I can't because he loved me. My cup is full and I can't help but care about them. Now, I can limit my time with them and still love them at a distance. Yes, of course. But I can't quit caring for people. It is a struggle for me to list enemies. It's a struggle for me to list enemies. It's easier when they're in the White House and I don't know them. Do you know what I mean? It's easier for me to do that when, when they're somewhere else. I don't know them. I don't talk to them. I, I'm not with, but the people in my life that I actually know that have done me wrong, it's really tough for me not to love them, not to keep praying for them, not to hope for them, not to continue to care about what they're doing. I care about what they're doing. Why is that? I'm not an idiot. Don't debate that. It's not debatable. Not idiot. It is because of this right here. This is the only explanation. This is the only explanation. God still loves them. So in my heart, I love them too. Now, God loves people and he allows them to run away from him. He allows them to do that but he's always home waiting for them to come home. And his love is an open-armed love. He doesn't like the fact that they're away from him. He doesn't like the fact that they're running away, that they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. He doesn't like that, but he still loves them and he's waiting for them at home. The people who haven't ran away from God, who are trying to follow him with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul. He loves them the same and he's glad that they are home, that they have a relationship with him, that they are talking with him. That is the height, the depth, the width, the length of love. He loves a lot of people collectively and all those people have the same amount of love in their container that everybody else does. Aren't you glad? I know you've heard this before. You've heard two people that were married say that they've fallen out of love with each other. Well, that is possible if you love that person with a human sort of love, right? God never falls out of love with you. He never empties it. He never splashes it. It never goes down. It's never uh, overly full. It's just enough for you to gain strength from it, to grab a hold of it, and show it to other people. He never falls out of love with you. I want you to take this cup home. I want you to set it somewhere this week. And in your darkest moments, when you think you're not loved by anybody else, I want you to look at it and say, hey, I'm loved by God just as much as I was yesterday. I feel bad for what maybe I've just done, but God still loves me the same and he's waiting for me to come home. You might have a great day. Be like, yeah, 
Of course everybody should love me. Yeah. Well, you look at this cup. You remember that love is a gift to you. It's not something you created. It's something that you have. And humble yourself with that love that he's given you. And then live accordingly. I think you look at this solo cup in the morning and you remind yourself that when you go to work, when you go out, when you're driving down the road, that it's through the eyes of God's love for the world that you should interpret everything around you. Everything around you. See, we have so many other filters that we put on our our eyes to interpret everything that's happening. We are keyed up all the time to kind of be upset at something at all times. Our culture is teaching us to look at things a particular way, to get upset at certain things, and to celebrate other certain things. And they are keying us up. And what God is saying is quit being keyed up by the world. What he is saying is, Know the height, the depth, the length, the width of my love and live your life accordingly. And when you go into the world, look at the world through the lens that I love the world and I died and gave myself for them. That is what you live. So everything that you see, you interpret through the lens of God's love. If you don't, you're going to go astray. And little bitty things over here will become big things and take you down in a direction that God doesn't want you to go in. You view everything around you with God's love. Amen? Height, depth, length, width. I cannot know it alone, but I can know it with all of you. And that's a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. Thank you for this message on love. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to worry about growing in your love or losing your love. We're thankful for that. I pray that each person in this room, as they leave here, take their cup with them and remind themselves that they need to view the world through your love and act accordingly. The moments that they're irritated, they would remember your love and it would change that irritation. That when we're feeling low and weak, as we walk back into this church on any given Sunday, that we'll see other people that have the same amount of love that we have. And we'll gain strength from that. We know, Father, that you had to spread your love out among each one of us because one of us cannot contain it all. But together, all of us have a little more sense together of what that love actually is when we are together. We're thankful that you have designed the church that way. So be with us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand and sing.